Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's nice to have you with us. I'm Poppy Miller here with Nico Cantor. Perfectly timed, Nico. You Your mate just in the nick. Like of I time. did it on purpose. Alexis Guerreros and the big return of Jimmy Conrad, everyone. Must be a big week, Jimmy, if you're here. Welcome back. I consider myself more of a better looking Charlie Davies, but uh, however you want to introduce me, Dude, it's fine. I see it. You see it? I see it. I see it. And that clap was a little weak, I'll be honest. I was the only one. So That's why true. Don't you know that? <laughs> it was almost like a one-finger clap as well. well they, they, they decided not to go all in. I you kind of gave me the half. I've never offered a mate if you want. I've never offered a mate. No, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. I appreciate okay. that, though. Okay. You guys missed it. Just two seconds ago, me and Alexis had our fingers in our ears because Nico was screaming, Jimmy was screaming never. as well. Did you bring your megaphone, by the way, Jimmy? I don't need my megaphone when I'm on the show. He's wearing it. <laughs> My mouth. Yeah. Who do you think is louder, Nico or Jimmy? Uh, I think the median is, is Jimmy, but I think Nico has a higher range because it surprises you. Mm. Okay. I like that. Right. Okay. I like okay. it. Jimmy, I'm so happy to Full see you. Likewise, nice to have you back with us. Thank you very much. Good to see you. We have got so much to talk about today. Uh, should we start with the big game that's coming up tomorrow? Just the Open Cup final. Uh, Lots of our team are already there for it. Susanna's on her way. Charlie's on his way. You're leaving when? Yeah, today afternoon. What time? Like at one, I think. Oh, so not a mad dash to the airport. No, not mad. What's dash. your role though, Nico? Are you going to get autographs, photos? Like what's, <laughs> yeah, what's the play here? Be in the stands chanting. <laughs> the official behind kiss. Are, yeah. are, are you wearing a shirt or not no, wearing a shirt? Like t t honestly, like to be honest because I only have real fandom and passion for one team, it's easy for me to like, I, I can go chant and cheer for Inter Miami when I'm not working, but then when I'm working, even when I'm chanting, I can be objective about the whole thing. <laughs> we like, saw you last time you were at the stadium actually yeah, was, doing a vlog. Yeah, it was, it was super fun. It was super fun. It was more about the experience than, than Messi himself, or maybe it's just the emotion that he gives to the people of Miami. And it's, more than anything, it makes me proud of Miami because we haven't, on the soccer scene, we've never been in the forefront of the soccer world like this. Basketball, football, for sure, but you know, Miami has suddenly not only become the center of the soccer world in the United States, but the soccer world in, in the entire planet, right? It's been the, become the focus. I mean, put some respect on the Miami Fusion and Carlos Valderrama. Yeah. Oh, you know for what sure, I mean? For sure. The ballers. Ray Hudson. Prakki, I think, played there. Prakki. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, team was sick. Well, the good Diego Serna. you're going to have an hour and a half build-up to the game, so you've yeah. got plenty of time plenty because of Kate's going to be there, Clint's going to be there. Everyone is going to be there with all the coverage. Uh, our coverage starts at 7 o'clock. But the big question is, I mean, what's going on? Is Messi going to play or not? Tata is being very vague. Alexis, what do you think? What do you think the odds are that we see Leo tomorrow? I'd, I want to say it's 50-50, but it feels like you kind of have to play him, even if it's not for the full match. Shouldn't start on the bench. He should start 
You put him on the pitch. If you get 30 out of him, sub him out in the 30th. Is it better to Who start cares? him, though, you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you don't think he's going to make the uh, MLS Cup playoffs. If he thinks it's just out of reach, then you might as well. It's a final. It's a, chan- it's a second chance for a trophy. Nico said if you win both of these trophies, even if you don't make the MLS Cup playoffs, you end the season as a success. 100%. I'm not sure if I – I guess it's a, I it is a that. success, but I wouldn't say it's – the, the what you would have hoped for. I think MLS Cup Why? is still considering. There the but you have pre Messi and post Messi. Correct. Right. So their success after he arrived, I think, is yeah, of important. Course. You have to take that You do have success, but would you consider it an out and out success? Knowing yeah, you could have. They were the worst. They were. They I get that. Hit rock the rock bottom of the table. If they, they qualify the for MLS Cups, the if they qualify for MLS Cups, are they not the best? Are they not the would they the the favorite? Is the word I'm looking for? Are they not the favorite? If they qualify, I think they, yeah. the boogies at least, I think, will have them for sure as the favorite. You are bummed if you're facing Inter-Miami in the playoffs. Yeah. Because I don't know if they're going to be well-rested, but they're going to have some momentum. I do want to say, though, that I don't think Messi should start this game. If he's not 100%, I would bring him mm. on later because I think this game is going to be pretty cagey. I think Houston Dynamo are going to sit and fight and scrap. And for Messi to come on after about 60 minutes... When everybody's a little bit tired, there's more space for him to occupy without him having to work so hard to find it or the team finding, finding him in good spots. I would probably bring him off the bench. If you could start Busquets and Jordi Alba and have a little bit of that experience mm. on the field, great. But then Messi can come on and be the and super sub. I suppose sub. also mentally, if you're the Dynamo and it's a close cage match and then you see Messi getting warmed up, ready to come on, you're just thinking, all right. Okay, well, uh, it, this it'll is be, ideal. Uh, yeah, the, the, the challenge will be even greater for, for Houston Dynamo. I think you touched on something super important, that it's their physical state, Inter-Miami. Mm-hmm. They're tired. I've said it since the Atlanta game, where that tiredness was pretty evident. And now against Orlando, there's moments that you can tell that this team... I don't know if they can go full 90 with the intensity that they were giving us in the first couple of games where the Messi show was on full display. Um, and that's, I think, what Houston's going to want to play to, being cagey, tiring Miami out, m- making them run, maybe not give Busquets the ball, not let Miami dictate. But so it'll be interesting. I suppose on the other side of that, though, if you are the Dynamo, Jimmy, are you thinking this is actually harder to prepare not knowing who's going to start, not knowing if Messi's going to be there, not knowing what, how much of a role Jordi Alba's going to play? Because if they were healthy, you'd think, OK, this is our game plan no matter what. But now it seems there's so many variables for them. I think what's interesting about the Houston Dynamo in this particular season is that they seem organized that they finally have a plan, and if something doesn't work with plan A, they're ready to adapt and be fluid in plan B. And I can't say that about previous iterations of the Houston Dynamo, at least in the last seven, eight years. It has been a roller coaster of emotion. Which team are you going to get? Who's going to show up and play? Is, are the players even motivated to, to perform in a way where they're all kind of rowing the boat in the same direction? And when I look at Houston now, Alexis, I, I see a team that feels like they're in this together. And they're now 90 minutes away from winning their second Open Cup. And I think they're going to be up for it. It's going to be a close one. Yeah, I mean, the names we constantly talk about are Coco Carasquilla and Hector Herrera, right? Uh, those are two players that you talk about. One, a bit more defensive-minded, kind of steel in the midfield. The other one gives you that flair, still gives you a little bit of that steel in the midfield. But one of the, one of the stats that stood out to me was last season, they were 21st in goals conceded. This season, they're sixth. I mean, that just talks about mm-hmm. a team that is playing like a unit, that has made their home a fortress. They're prepared for a they're team like... They're good at home. They are good at home. They are absolutely prepared for a team like Miami. But can you withstand that onslaught that they have yeah, the ability the to... And you mentioned 
mentioned something, Nico, that I think is super important. They seem tired, but it feels like the adrenaline, that honeymoon period is now over. Now it's real. It's not a traveling circus anymore. Now it's real. Now you're a team in MLS. Mm. You're not this sort of gung-ho, all-guns-blazing team that you were those first few weeks when you first, when all these players came into the MLS. Uh, can I jump in really quick and say what I think is interesting about Inter-Miami? If Messi doesn't play, if Busquets doesn't play, if Jordi Alba don't play or play meaningful minutes, there's still something about this Miami team that's different. And I think when you're around those types of players, they've now elevated the game of everybody around them. Campana has been pretty fantastic. Even when Messi doesn't play, he's still hitting the back of the net. He's still being a catalyst in some ways. And then you have Kramaski, who obviously got his first ever start uh, with the U.S. men's national team or got, his, got a call-in, which is obviously super important. You got Robert Taylor, obviously, has decided to come out of nowhere and score a bunch of goals and get a bunch of assists. Yeah, the real uh, goat. Yeah, yeah the, the, green, <laughs> yeah. The, the green goat goat, we, we should all, call we all found out a lot about him. Turns out he's 28 years old. I thought he was a kid. This is, uh, you guys are looking at the Inner Miami projected 11 without Messi and Alba. Um, and and, and I feel like. give the Dynamo a, a run for their money if, if uh, Messi and Alba don't run for their money is, uh, it's a stretch. They, they'll clearly be able to compete compared to the Inner Miami without Messi and Alba from before that couldn't compete against anybody. This team will put up, definitely put up a fight. And I think, I wonder what Christoph's uh, health is at it might be uh, Toto Aviles in the center back which has he hasn't been great I think that's another option for Corey Baird to be running in for I mean Bossy to getting be getting in behind Inter Miami's defense as of late hasn't been convincing at all Kamal Miller has taken a drop down in the last oh, he couple of games out he, those he weeks. was he was he was balling out yeah he was arguably one of Inter Miami's <laughs> but best this is a cup final now three. right this yeah. is a cup final you know that this is 90 minutes. They've already had yeah. the experience in the League's Cup as well. So I think that there's still some advantage, and they're playing at home. Well, there's you're playing at home. That, it's a cup final. There's it, one name that wasn't on there that I think is their magic bullet, is their secret weapon, and that's Tata Martino. Yeah, good shot. We're talking about a manager that has managed at the highest levels, some mm -hmm. of the biggest national teams, but also one MLS Cup understands what it takes to win a final. One U U.S. Open Cup. One U.S. Open Cup. Right. I mean, this is specifically the type of guy mm -hmm. I would want to be my manager and has managed, you know, uh, Joseph Martinez, has been able to get the best out of him. And if you're not going to have a Messi, you're going to need a Joseph Martinez to have a big game. Mm -hmm. okay, and if there's someone who could get in his ear. Let's do predictions then. Oh. How about with and without Messi? Because that seems to be uh, the divider for a lot. <laughs> now, now Messi coming on as a sub still counts as Messi. Messi, Messi I, not I, featuring. No, okay, I okay. don't think that's a. I don't think you think that he's going to feature. Re that reality, we're much closer, much much closer to the reality where Messi, Messi features. This, this is just for fun, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> you can literally say that. With and without Messi. All day to Nico. Put down the charts, dude. We're um, <laughs> not going into how many minutes he's going to play. Messi features, do they win? So and Messi wins. doesn't feature. Okay, do they win either way? I like, I like the Farias. Miami boy. I like Kramashi. Busquets, man. Busquets right. is, uh, makes this team tick at a, diff at a different... He's the metronome that makes this team tick differently. Jimmy, what do you think? Yeah, I do think that Inter-Miami get the result either way. Mm. But I do think that it's going to be a lot closer if Messi doesn't play. I could see it going into penalties, but Miami have been excellent That's in pens, say, yeah. especially showing that in the least kept time and time again. Uh, quick correction, by the way. Tata Martino did not win Open Cup. Frank uh, Gabor did. He left but, and then yeah. Gabor came in. But uh, uh, I agree with Jimmy. I think Miami it's wins this no matter choice. what. And if Messi is wow. not in it, it goes to pens. Because I, I think, think Houston's going to make this It'll be close if Messi – you guys don't think if Messi plays – 
Which yeah, still we imagine be he's not going to hundred percent either way. Like if this if this was a regular season game and Inter Miami was pretty far away from the playoffs, I don't know if Messi would be playing this game. Midweek, I wonder. Um, it'll be close. It's going to be such a big. With can Messi. we just talk it'll about it? It'll be close. You're right. Can we I talk just think about they'll be the more in control. Quickly, Nico, because you're going to be there. We saw what it was like uh, when Inter Miami obviously had the unveiling and everything. But yeah. this it feels like the next big occasion, doesn't it? Since that, with the final in Miami's home, what are you expecting to see? Do you think we're going to see all the celebrities that were out yeah, at the beginning? It's it's a cup final. I mean, the city. I can already tell from what I've spoken to friends and family and. And everybody in Miami, obviously, I'm in a lot of contact with everybody. They're excited he is about Mr. this. Miami. There's, there's wow. again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna repeat what I've said from the get-go, just so it doesn't get old and everybody's just gets a feel for the local touch. The city's buzzing at a different level. Messi's on billboards on the side of the highway. Everybody has an Inter Miami kit. Everybody wants an Inter Miami kit. In fact, it was sold out. They had to like buy new kits or get shipped them from Adidas and put them out in the store. They were they were putting, Inter Miami was putting number 10 Messi on kits from the first season that they had <laughs> still in some boxes to sell them people, and people are buying them. I, you know, I still don't have one. Um, I do have one from the first season, but not uh, 10 Messi. You don't have I, 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 I don't like being an archronic. I like Too bad things. you're not much bigger because I have one I would have given you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but listen, yeah, the, the, the city is, it, it's different in and the Latino community, when they know that there's a trophy on the line, especially for Messi, the city has transformed because it's not just Argentine, it's Latinos as a whole that are have this crazy obsession. Like a, it's, They get possessed by an obsession for Messi. Man, it's going to be crazy, isn't it? You're going to be on your way, Nico. Yeah. Uh, Susie's already on her way. Charlie's there. Kate and Clint are also going to have all the pre-match build-up coming for you at 7 o'clock Eastern. Uh, stay with us, though. Stefano Fasaro is with us here next with your latest headlines. We'll be right back on Morning Footy. Stay with us. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Harry Kane is enjoying life on and off the pitch in Munich. Here he is at Oktoberfest yesterday, just 24 hours after his first hat-trick for Bayern Munich in their thumping 7-0 <laughs> win. Man, I just love to see Harry Kane thriving. He looks like yeah, he's having a good old time. Is. Good for you, Harry. There's... Super comfortable. There he is. 100% comfortable. <laughs> is, is the beer makes him comfortable. There at was least. a lot of foam in yeah, that There was a lot of foam. Yeah. A lot of foam in that pool. Is that normal to have a lot of foam? Is that no. how they do it in Germany? You gotta... And a lot of awkward. That's the beer you hand someone wearing Skechers. That's it. There you go, buddy. Hey. A couple handlebars hey. in there for you. Those Skechers, those Skechers have scored a lot of goals and a lot of assists. Here you go, buddy. You might, you might want to wear a seatbelt while you drink this. You can't buddy. serve a pint like that. You just can't. Uh, I think maybe I think it's, it's just for the It's just for optics. You don't think it they choked good. it? No chance. You don't no. think either of them finished it? Didn't Pep? Didn't Pep actually like want them to enjoy Oktoberfest when he was at Bayern? Define yeah. enjoy. You know what I mean? Like partake, but not go crazy. I see. Like have a sip. But how much alcohol were you drinking, for example, during your career? Like a glass of wine? No. I, I, <laughs> remember, this is live TV. <laughs> no, I, I, on, what kind of question on, on is that? No, no, no. How much question. money did you spend at the strip club? No, no, no. That's, that wasn't the intention of my question. You, you know what I'm asking. Jeez. How much fake urine did you use for your drug <laughs> yeah, test? Yeah. Where do you want to go with this? Jeez. No, no, I actually, Me like, go. were you enjoying a glass of wine? Like, how much were you able to, to enjoy? Like, could you, could you party hard on a weekend? Or is I it could like, when I was younger. Right. Then it got a little harder when I got right, older. Right. But, but, yeah, you had to monitor it. And at some point, you start to realize that it is impacting your performance. Huh. But when you're young... 
You feel like yeah. you're invincible and you can do anything. What was your favorite drink, Jimmy? Wow, this is. Should you be laying on a couch? Well, you the, well, I'm more comfortable that. looking at the ceiling yeah. and answering these questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you can throw down a beer, it goes down pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well I'm just going to say that. What kind of beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much did it impact you? How many did you have? Let's hear you chug it real quick. Stefano's got some headlines for us. Stefano, what have you got? Good morning. I was going to say that this crew might be more comfortable at Oktoberfest, or at least look more comfortable at Oktoberfest <laughs> than Harry Kane, but after that conversation, I'm not really sure. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, uh, let's go with some headlines. Juventus, they suffered a 4-2 loss to Sassuolo on Saturday, and it left the Bianconetti with some major questions, including whether Wojtek Szczesny should remain in goal after his recent rash of mistakes. Juve manager Max Allegri, he isn't ready to make a change, though, and he's backed the Polish goalkeeper to remain his first-choice starter ahead of today's match against surging Lecce. Allegri wouldn't commit to whether he would start defender Federico Gatti after his calamitous own goal in that match. And remember, you can watch Juve and Leche live on Golasso Network today at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time. The fallout from the ugly scenes at the Ajax Feyenoord match continues to grow with the Dutch Football Federation scheduling that completion of that abandoned match for Wednesday behind closed doors. Now, that decision will require a shuffling of the league schedule that isn't sitting well with either Ajax or their scheduled opponent for that Wednesday, Volendam. Both Ajax and Volendam are threatening legal action, calling it unfair for the Federation to move Wednesday's scheduled league match. In Spain, Barcelona manager Xavi has confirmed the star midfielder Frenkie de Jong will miss a significant amount of playing time with that ankle injury that he suffered in Barca's win against Celta Vigo on Saturday. Speaking to the media this morning, Xavi revealed that de Jong will be out until after the October international break when Barcelona will reassess him. Quote, he'll be a significant absence for us. Ferenki is a fundamental to how we play, especially given the great form he was in. The injury will also rule out the young for the Netherlands' upcoming Euro qualifiers against France and Greece in mid-October. In transfer news, Tottenham has officially completed the transfer of 16-year-old Croatian center back Luka Vuskovic. The North London club will reportedly pay $15 million for the highly rated Hajduk split defender who will stay at his current club for the next two seasons before formally making the move over to Tottenham. Vuskovic will be, was one of Hajduk split's key players in their impressive run to the UEFA Youth Cup final earlier this year. In other Premier League news, Jadon Sancho's exile for Manchester United's first team doesn't seem like it will end anytime soon. And Eric Ten Hag isn't making things easy on the English winger. According to multiple reports, Sancho has been barred from all first team facilities, including the dressing room, even the dining area. Sancho has reportedly refused to apologize to Ten Hag for his social media response to recent comments made by the manager about his decision not to use Sancho in Manchester United's recent loss to Arsenal. Jimmy, as a former player, yes. and we know you weren't afraid to speak your mind as a former player. <laughs> Me? Uh, is it, are you surprised that Sancho's not, is refusing to apologize? And if you were his teammate, what would you be saying to him right now? That's a great question. I would try to, I'm sure at that point I understand what's happening behind the scenes. So, yeah, I'd be extending an olive branch and really letting him know that this is bigger than just this issue. It's also his reputation moving forward and his whole career at stake. And so... I'd be trying to find that middle ground of Between what he what wants and, and what Eric Ten Hag and the club is asking of him because he did come out and say on Twitter that he's the scape, scapegoat and that it isn't fair. That and feels, then he pinned the tweet. Then he, yeah, it just feels... 
there's a lot to unpack there, and, and I think we're getting some of the surface stuff, but this seems to be more than just one, a one-off. It feels like there's been some repeated behavior, either from him or how he's being managed by Eric Ten Hag. He also did delete the tweet. He did. So he pinned it, but then he was like, oh, let mm. me delete this. He really I, I believe he was asked to delete it. That's the rumor I heard. But, I, you know, for me, and I've, I've on this show, I've defended Sandra before, um, and I'm going to continue to do it. It just feels to me at this point, the way it's gone since he's gotten there, has been, he's been quiet from, I haven't heard of him being a trouble, a problem child before. He's been played out of position. Has he delivered in the opportunities he's been asked Has to Has he know? been played out of position? Yeah, he played off on the left when he, you know, balled out on the right at Dortmund. But, but he was also playing, he got moments on the he right. He had moments, but only got a social didn't necessarily trust him in that position. Look, so that's a problem. For like me, If you don't a trust the player in a position or trust him with the responsibility that he can get into a game and just make a difference. I mean, if we're considering Jaden Sancho a world-class player, we should be able to put him on in any position on the field, and he should be able to have some type of impact on the game in a positive way. True, and, and but not, I think the number that, that was paid see, for him yeah, was also so exactly. high. I get it. So I get the expectation was high. Sure. But also, but I, I just like want right to make one more point. Anthony's gone. Anthony's gone, true. But remember, he was the there moment. during the Ronaldo fiasco of everyone basically trying to the appease Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldo. Um, at the end, you know, he did say, Ronaldo on the way out said, you know, the young players don't want to listen, blah, blah, blah. And maybe there's a little bit of that. You know, he's, he's of that era, or maybe he's of that ilk where he doesn't necessarily give in to what authority wants. But I'm also somebody that's going to always say, like, bro, stand on business. Like, stand on your business. If you if you are ten toes saying, yo, I'm being disrespected and I'm, I'm the scapegoat and I'm done taking it, I'm all for taking that stand. Take control of your career from this point forward. Quit letting someone else have that control, that narrative. But I suppose mm. just to play devil's advocate, what – what can Eric Ten Hag do? Because if he's got no, players... Eric in, Ten, in Ten the, Hag's taken a choice already. It, exactly. So he's had players in the past, and, and obviously he was faced with a difficult task at Manchester United, where it felt like from the outside looking in that the players ruled the locker room. So if you have a player like Jadon Sancho that is just completely if different, he, that's being disrupted, then doesn't Eric Ten Hag every right to come out and say, this is a problem, and he's not he with the team? He did it with Cristiano Ronaldo. Exactly. If, so If he does it to Cristiano Ronaldo, he can... He's going to do it to anybody below the standard of possibly the greatest player in the history of football, so, right? I, Yeah, exactly. So what, what, what can Ten Hag do apart from come out to the media and be transparent and say... And also, it almost puts a bit of pressure on Jadon Sancho as well to be like, look, everybody knows now it's out in the open. Buck up, because I, I'm not sure if this is 100% correct, but didn't we see then in international break, Jadon Sancho was out, you know, we saw him pictured, and I'm not saying that's Standing wrong. Standing next to Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who hasn't gotten but, any of this heat. But if you are in trouble, you would think, okay, maybe you should, you know, lay low and, and, and focus on training, training for a there's, bit. There's, so. And there's something greater to the whole situation, which is Manchester United and their season, and there's so much drama going around the club that... We don't know the reality of the situation of what was said between Ten Hag, what was done by Jadon Sancho. Um, but Ten Hag has gone out and Sancho felt like he needed to defend himself, but he defended himself in such a way that Ten Hag said, all right, he, he drew the line because he wasn't going to take that type of insubordinance. And it just, just seems like Jadon Sancho doesn't want to swallow his pride. And maybe he's incorrect in doing so. Maybe he just doesn't want to do it, but if he did, he had a golden opportunity to start for Manchester United, to make an impact on Manchester United more than ever because of the Anthony situation. Anthony's gone. Anthony was favored by Ten Hag, without a doubt, but there was a hole there, and there's something greater that it seems like 
Jaden Sancho's dying on a hill that's not permitting himself and his career to push his I got, way towards I got two success things on this. at this moment. One I'll say from an Eric Ten Hag perspective, he seems like a manager that wants players that solve problems without emotion. Go out there, there's a set of, you scan the field, this is on, this isn't on, how quickly can I make my decision? He's very pragmatic, it seems like, in his approach. Doesn't have time for the emotional stuff. All of a sudden something happens with Jaden Sancho, now to pivot over to him, and he gets emotional has an immediate reaction, which is, I'm going to social media to tell everybody it's unfair, and life isn't fair, and people aren't treating me fair, and I'm the scapegoat. That's not a reaction from a pragmatic manager that you want to see. So he's got to maintain that line that you said with Cristiano Ronaldo, where he set the precedent, and now he can't go back. But when, when I think when about Jaden Sancho, though, Jaden Sancho wants, he's like, he's like, he wants his arm around yeah. him. He wants to be the guy. I feel and better it, already. And Eric Ten Hag, <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, no, I God, make you feel good. all warm and fuzzy you're inside. You're so good at that. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, but he needs that, and Eric Ten Hag, I don't think, is that type of manager. And that is probably where some friction has formed, and now he's not being trusted, and Jaden Sancho wants to be trusted. And now, I think this is a no-win situation. There's three years left on his contract, Jaden Sancho. Right, so what happens now? Do you see a way back for these two to, to work together again cohesively because from what it seems like, they're at stalemate and it looks like Jaden Sancho isn't going to win this battle with the amount of backing How that long Eric until the January has. transfer window? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he should hand in the transfer request and it's probably going to be met because it doesn't feel like there's an easy way back to one, get the trust of maybe your teammates, but definitely not get the trust of an Eric Ten Hag as your manager. But to, to Nico's point, it seemed like there was an opportunity for him, but we also don't know what happened behind closed doors that made him finally say, you know what, that's it. If maybe he said, right. hey, maybe this is a good opportunity for me to start, I've been doing well in training, and he goes, no, you're not in my plans, then that's it. Then, then the, for me, the, the, you know, the, the cup yeah, is Yeah, but filled. you're not in my plans for a reason, right? You would assume so. We don't no. know. what he, he has a, a Clearly, it's reached a boiling point. Millions of dollars that... Almost, how much did he get bought for? Like 90, 90 million? Some yeah. crazy number that they're just going to be like, oh, no, 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 just because I, I don't like your profile. Well, he's not the only problem, is he, that Manchester United yeah. has. What, Let's be honest at the minute. We could spend the whole show talking about the problems. Uh, Stay with us, though. We've got Wambi a bunch Saka. more still to come. Enough about Manchester United, boys. We'll have to talk about this tomorrow. We've got Copa Libertadores, Nico yeah. Boca, to talk Boca. about after the break. The final four teams. We'll be right back. Tem, pô, tem muita, tem muita, tem muita coisa boa, rapaziada do samba aqui, né? Vamos, ah, vamos, vamos, vamos que vamos vir. Rafinha, hein? Samba, a gente não perde o prazer de cantar e fazer de tudo pra silenciar a batucada do nosso danado. O seu ecoar, o samba se repita. He's actually really good. This is Rafinha after the Copa do Brasil final. You think this is good? I think this is actually yeah. quite nice. Okay. Do you not? I've never oh. heard an actual rendition of this song, so I don't know if this is good or bad. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what he's singing, but I just like the vibes. It just, when you've got somebody who's extremely skilled in one thing in their life, and they come out and they're playing the Brazilian version of a banjo with an entire band keeping the rhythm. 
That's pretty you, impressive. Do you know if he's pretty keeping cool. the Like, we don't know. We've never heard this before. You know what? I'll he seems happy. Way. That's all that matters. Yeah. If someone happy. gives me the aux cable, Alexis I'm not like putting this on. A judge you know from the voice. He's like, nah, he was out of tune there. I might spin my chair back around, bro. <laughs> hey, Rafinha was happier than Sampaoli was at no. the end of this match. This is great. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. You don't, don't sound it. You sound like a bit of a hater. No, I don't know. I just, you guys are saying this is good. I've never heard that song before. How do you know it's good? <laughs> it's, it's the feelings, the emotion. The, moment, the vibes are out off the charts. Okay. And that's what gives us the vibes. vibes. <laughs> okay, vibes let's focus alone. on the vibes. My chair's back. It's the first time they've baby. won a trophy in 11 years. Yeah, yeah, it's now incredible. I kind of want someone from Inter Miami to do that if they win and join Ooh. the crew, join Kate and Clint and Charlie. Who could it be? What would it be? Would it be something Argentinian? Would it be Guantanamera for Jorge? Wow, that would be good. Guantanamera for Jorge, that's a good one. <laughs> that was pretty good. I feel Vibes. like uh, some, some cumbia, some ta 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 You would definitely be there in the background, Nico. You'd be the, the orchestrator, what do you call it? You would be good at that, wouldn't you? Nico and, and Messi dancing a tango. Could you imagine? Tango's very difficult to dance. I don't think I could. I liked it. That made, that made my morning. Good. Nice to see them happy. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Copa Libertadores because we're down to the final four teams. Here's a look at the bracket. Ah. As usual, it's a Brazilian heavy contingent. Three Brazilian teams still alive looking to extend the run of Brazilian champions to five. But Boca is the one team, Nico, mm. that could play spoiler to all of this. Uh, could. Who's, who's Palmeiras going to play in the final? Oh, come That's on. the question. Have some respect <laughs> on Boca. <laughs> I also support Boca. Um, listen, quickly on Boca. Boca's really bad at the moment. Boca has only won two games in their last like, 11 or something Edison like that. Cavani now. Who's only and scored one goal in eight <laughs> games. And it is a semifinal. It's different. Um, not only does Boca, in between the first leg and second leg, is this week and next week. And on Sunday, Boca has the Super Clásico against River. So it's a very intense this is two-legged affair, just so everybody days. knows. Right, and the semifinals the, are two legs. Yeah, and then the, and then they got to the come to La Bombonera. One, it's uh, one uh, on, on the Thursday. Yeah. Um, listen, Boca and Palmeiras have some history, but it's not been convincing football from Boca and Palmeiras. Palmeiras is a whole other animal. They've won the Copa Libertadores twice in the last three years. The only hope is that they're one of one of their best players, Dudu. Um, is injured. He tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago, and since they've only scored two goals in five games. So usually Palmeiras is prolific. In fact, they're the second most prolific team in Brazil at the moment. So it's gonna be a, a tall task for Boca who got to the semifinals of the Copa Libertadores. Get this, without winning a single game, scoring two goals in four games, they tied three of gift. the four legs. Zero, zero. <laughs> That's, like, that's that is anti-football. Yeah. That is, that is... The, that's the, like the, a for real. That's not even like a no, badge no, no, no. of honor. It is that's efficiency at its finest. Man. I will say that I've been to one Copa Libertadores game in my life, and it was at La Bombonera, Boca Juniors versus Palmeiras, and Boca won 2-1, so I'm hopeful that Which they can one, do it again. How, this is way back. Like way back 2000s, like two, way back? That, no, not that. 2012, 2013? 2012, okay. 
2012, 2013. What stage? Do you remember what it was? Nah, it's pretty early on. The other two teams, Fluminense and yeah, Internacional. We should talk match. about them. Yes, yeah. uh, Fluminense, I've talked about glowingly, in particular their manager, Genese, yeah. um, who I've, at one point I suggested should be the manager of the men's national team. Um, uh, and people were like, you're crazy. And now he's the manager of the Brazilian national team. Interim. 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 But what comes after the word interim? Manager. 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 And i got to be honest, the U.S. could do, could do, could, might not be able to do better than the interim manager of Brazil. Um, absolutely incredible. He plays a style called relationism. Here's a good example. All four players on their back line have scored a goal this season in the Brazilian Serie A. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Five goals across their, their back line. Um, they're, they're playing incredibly well. They're in fifth place. Uh, it's, a, it's a different style, though, and it's one of those styles where it's feast or famine. Um, if you're not familiar, it's everyone bunches to one side of the pitch. You don't switch sides. You're not looking for space. What you're looking for is connecting passes in three positions, um, typically across a diagonal. That style can cause some real havoc. But it can also cause you some real havoc. And it's about what Internacional does. They play in a 4-1-3-2, if I'm not mistaken. But Internacional are in, what, 13th place? 13th place. Yeah, they've got some work to do. They've got some real work to do. But they've played well in this competition. Very quickly on, on Fluminense, they have Herman Cano, who is leading the competition mm -hmm. with nine goals. Scored two in the last game against Olympia to get him into this position. Yeah. We're going to see this a lot with some of the teams we're going to be talking about later in the show, who's having a great start in the top five leagues in Europe. But when you're scoring goals at that type of clip, it just takes so much pressure off your defense to have to be perfect, hmm. where Boca's had to be perfect throughout right. to even get into this position. And I think Fluminense has found their way in. And I think, we, as you mentioned, they're fifth in the league. They're probably in the best league form out of all four teams. But they're the only semifinalists, fun fact, Easily. that have uh, never actually won the Copa Libertadores. Oh, you're right. And Jimmy, what, just very quickly, what about the American, Johnny Cardoso? Yeah, I'm excited. He, he, He's a doubt for the first Well, he played leg, 75 but... minutes uh, in the last leg of this competition. Yeah. But, yeah, he might be a doubt. Obviously excited to see him play, and any Americans play in as big a games as possible because it's just going to make them more experienced for when they're representing the red, white, and blue. Let's go, boys. Johnny Cardoso is <laughs> dealing with an ankle injury that he picked up in that second leg, and he was called into the U.S. men's national team camp after that, and he had to stay at Inter of Porto Alegre because he, he couldn't play, and he hasn't featured since. And that's the problem with Chacho Cudet's team, the manager of Inter, and his ideal 11, his best 11. They haven't really played all together since that second leg. And that's been the big doubt, that they're not going into this game with rhythm against a very informed side like Fluminense that's going to have in the Copa Libertadores finally again the addition of Marcelo, who didn't feature at all in the quarterfinal of, of the Copa Libertadores against Olympia. So remember, Marcelo had that nasty tackle where he Horrific. like split a guy's leg okay. and, he, and he got a... Well, Not the hand motion, dude. <laughs> I just remembered the video. Yeah, it was pretty... It, it was, was really... Awful. It was Yeah, it was He was gruesome. even crying, wasn't he? Yeah, that? he was. And he got a three-match ban. And he apologized so, a tremendous... He, he, he yeah. didn't... Well, three-match ban is a red card in that game and then the two uh, next games in Copa Libertadores against Olympia. So, um, or Bolívar, I, I believe. But Internacional have Inter Valencia. They, they have do. Charles Aranguis. Aranguis, yeah. And, uh, you know, these two guys, over 30, but uh, hey. hey, on their day. Come on, you could still do it. Actually, I actually have a they question for you. both of you. They being have the starting goalkeeper of the Uruguayan national team that's been very good, Sergio Rochette. 
both of you are Boca fans. We've been talking about U.S. Open Cup. For, Jimmy's a fan of everyone, by uh, the way. Like obviously. He's wearing a Sao Paulo shirt under this I'm jacket. I'm an equal opportunity supporter. <laughs> okay. um, you just like kids. But for <laughs> fans who don't understand, we've talked about U.S. Open Cup and possibly what that means in relationship to winning the league itself. What does this mean for a team like Boca, and what would this mean for a team like a Fluminense or a Palmeiras? The Copa Libertadores is everything. Is this more it's, important than the league? It's the Champions it's League the, of South America. For, for Boca, it's, at this point, yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's just put it out. It, it's, yes. the, it's the top continental prize you can win in South America. And probably w in this hemisphere. W without a doubt, in this hemisphere, easily yeah. in all of the Americas. Um, for Boca, it's everything. Boca has had domestic success, and a lot of it since they last won Copa Libertadores in, in, in 2000. And seven, and they haven't won the Copa Libertadores since. They've gone into the finals twice, and a lot hinges on how well you do in Copa Libertadores. Cavani was brought not to win the league. Boca was like eighth or something in the league that finished a couple of weeks ago. In the League Cup right now, they're not doing so well. Do you think Boca cares if they finish halfway up that league table, if they win Copa Libertadores? The, the push is for La Septima, which is their seventh, which would tie, put Boca on top of the table with most Copa Libertadores won ever. And for Palmeiras as well. Palmeiras' success is their avenue of success is the Copa Libertadores. So they say they won it three times in the last four years. Abel Ferreira is the best coach in Brazil. Without a doubt, over the last couple of years, he has proven that there are few, that, and he's Portuguese, by the way, which is crazy for a foreign manager to show up to Brazil and have this Palmeira team cooking consistently over three, four seasons is incredible. So these teams, the Libertadores becomes everything for them. Why has it been so long since Boca won? Since, since Boca won, and, and not only that, it's been so long since a non-Argentine team has won it, since a non-Brazilian team has won it. Brazil now just has so much purchasing power. We can go into the whole the last Argentine economics. Was River, River beating Boca. River beating Boca in, in, in 2018. Um, but then just the trend is massively in favor of the Brazilian teams. They just... Players want to go play in Brazil because there's more money, uh, because they're building better teams. Uh, what about the Club World do, Cup? Do, A new format, Club World Cup? Huge Club World Cup do, in America? Is that important at all in any yes, of this? Yes, I think so. I'm kind of curious about what you're saying here. Do you feel like players in South America see Brazil as more of a stepping stone to go to Europe as opposed to Argentina, where it might be harder? I mean, you're still going to be seen. Well, Maybe the league, the domestic league, isn't seen as strong. Probably as the less Brazilian physical, league. which is good for you as a player. I, that's difficult because Argentines will just choose curious. Argentina. Just Argentines will choose Argentina. If you're good enough in Argentina, you're, it's going to be your stepping stone okay. to to go to Europe. Um, but it's more. It's more about of, perception. I'm asking about perception. Yeah, and I, I think if you're a domestic player, you'll find a way through your own league to get to Europe. If right. you're good enough, maybe sometimes Major League Soccer and Mexi Mexicans as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'll find through Mexico get to Europe. But it's more about if you're going to build a super team to win Copa Libertadores, look at Inter. Inter Valencia came from Turkey. Uh, Charles Arangis came from Bayer Leverkusen. He didn't go back to Chile where he's from. He didn't choose an Argentinian team where he's from. Uh, look at Sergio, Sergio Rochet. That's a good example. Mm -hmm. From Uruguay, Inter picked him up, and he's now a uh, mid-20s goalkeeper, maybe getting towards the end of his 20s. And he's proven that yeah. he can... Look, not, not even national team material. He could play in Europe easily. Um, so it's just a mix of everything. 
And at the end of the day, Brazil has the acquisition power to put together these teams that are, on paper, they're very scary. How are you going to watch this, by the way, very quickly um, tomorrow? I while think you're like that, open I cup, haven't, are you going to have oh, a few this, No, oh, Fluminense Internet focused on US right. Open Cup. Twitter updates. Yeah, no, but Thursday is like, don't bother me. No <laughs> In the zone. Airplane mode. <laughs> All right, Airplane good mode. Stuff. Uh, stay with us. He's We've got little, plenty more to come drinks. here on Morning Footy. We're going to talk about what happened in Ajax this past weekend with these shocking scenes and the updates on the matches uh, for the Dutch side. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, the latest edition of Ajax Feyenoord was suspended on Sunday after unruly Ajax fans threw flares and fireworks onto the field with Feyenoord leading 3-0. Match officials abandoned the match in the 56th minute after multiple stoppages, but that didn't end the violence with Ajax fans vandalising the Croy Farina as they attempted to break back into the stadium. The Dutch police were then on horseback uh, bringing out tear gas in an attempt to stop the violence. It was just absolute chaos, as you can see. Uh, the Dutch Federation has scheduled the match to resume on Wednesday without spectators. The decision will require the Ajax Foldendam uh, league match, though, to be rescheduled. Ajax is, of course, sitting in 13th place in the Eredivisie. They're coming off a third-place finish last season that kept them out of the Champions League for the first time in 13 years. This is a look at the notable fan violence in the Netherlands in 2023. I mean. In February, May and September, obviously, most recently, they've had issues. But this was just shocking to watch, wasn't it? You, you know, it's one thing to see flares being thrown onto the field and, and for all this chaos to be happening while the game goes on. But for one, the game to have to be suspended due to the fan violence. But I think really what happened afterwards when they're trying to break in and, and, and throw th things through the window and get into the offices. Wait, wait, I just, this, these are the fans that sing Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's yeah. gonna be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out it's not. They it's weren't. not gonna be all right. Yeah, and they were There's, singing that recently. Now, I will say as it pertains to the game, I have the over three and a half goals, so they better finish this. I think <laughs> yeah, you really need this. <laughs> I need this. I really need this. Let's talk about the important things. The, the important things. <laughs> what, I also sense there's some entitlement here for Ajax fans. They don't suffer very often. They're used to success. And all of a sudden, they're in 12th or in 13th. They have a little disruption. Currently 14th. <laughs> they're struggling right now in a lot of different ways, both, both in the front office with the coach. I don't think they hired the right guy. They've sold so many players over the years. So they're kind of in transition, and their fans just aren't. But they've played four matches. Surely this is a, okay, yes, you're upset because you missed out on Champions League last season for the first time in over a decade. But the, we all know what Ajax is. They're a selling club that brings in these stars right, that never really has that consistency with the group. It's four match days in. It's not the end of the season yeah, and they finished 14th place. They usually hit the ground running in the next season. They're a club that, yes, they sell well, but they're ready for the next season. There's a plan in place that they've visualized from seasons before and they know what's next. Why is Ajax always so successful in Europe? Because they know that they're going to get rid of their best players for the highest bidder, but they have the next big, big thing coming through the ranks or they've founded their scouting network and with the sporting director that they hired, who is the guy that like brought Aubameyang to Dortmund, Lewandowski to Dortmund, all these type of things, you would expect the project to be put in place and it has started off in shambles. Now, the fans see this, there's unrest, and then the hooligans the, the, the diehards, which the diehards were the ones to storm the front offices or try to go in, 
it has boiled over. And I do agree with you. It's like, man, everything's great when it's going all right, but the moment you teeter off for the first four match days, you're throwing flares in the field, you're storming the front offices. You're setting Again, things on fire. we'll repeat what we said yesterday. That's not okay. That's not, it's not even healthy hooliganism, but what type of hooliganism is, yeah, I was gonna say that's, is, is healthy? That's a okay, jumbo it's, shrimp. It's four matches in at the end of the day. You know, and, and yes, Ajax have already made changes, maybe because of the pressure that's on them from the fans, but surely, Jimmy, this is, one, this is, you should never obviously behave like that. I'm not condemning any of their behavior, but... Is it, is it not a bit ludicrous that this is happening at this point in the season? Well, I think I can understand a little bit of their frustration. As you mentioned, they didn't qualify for the Champions League. They've gotten off to a slow start. I don't think they hired a coach who really fits the bill. He didn't come in with a lot of fanfare. I know he had uh, Sparta Rotterdam. He, he coached them to kind of overachieve with them last mm -hmm. season. This time around, I, I think the Ajax job might just be too big for him at this particular moment, especially when they're in transition. They have some front office stuff that's going on. I think this is probably boiling over from a summer of discontent and, and trying to, what's the new identity of this Ajax team? Because it doesn't seem like it's, it's falling in line with you what you were Champions saying. You don't Champions League. Ajax should be competing in Champions 100%. League every year. That's, that's where the club feels like they should be at because it's Ajax. It's a historic club and they're not in Champions League uh, and they're struggling in league form. And what they also they also blew a two-goal lead against Marseille in the Europa League. Like it's, it's just it, it, that was, it's, it's not a, crazy it's not a game. four match days. But no, that's, that's right. true. There's, there's the beginning yes. of you have to, yeah, 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 yeah. the way you react Bubbling like that, surface. it's like, you know, if I were not to take out the garbage and my wife were to completely flip out, I'd be like, oh, there's something else. Right. right? There's, there's more to this. Four match days should give you an inclination that this reaction is is now the, the culmination of a lot of frustration. Uh, Sven Milsentat, who you said discovered Aubameyang, Mkhitaryan, mm -hmm. uh, brought Lewandowski to, to Dortmund. What has he done since then? His nickname was Diamondized. When he came to Arsenal, who did he sign? Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang. That guy is a one-hit record, you know, a one-hit wonder. And then he tries to go to Ajax and essentially do the same thing. I know, you know Aubameyang right? did them dirty and Of course. Oh, but, but if you're, if you're, if you're Ajax, it seems, especially if you're an Ajax supporter, it seems like there's mismanagement at hand here, and that's what they're very upset with. The same way, you know, United fans are, are not specifically mad at the players on the pitch or the manager, but the front office. But this is boiled over to the point where even legends, like a Marco Van Basten uh, is saying to shut down the league, to get rid of football in the country until this is handled. That is an embarrassment of the highest levels. But I suppose the worrying thing is that this isn't going to be a quick fix. Ajax aren't going to suddenly bring in a new manager tomorrow and bring in three new players. So I suppose what is the reaction going to be from the fans if things don't immediately improve, well, which they still have the, looking like... They still have 30 minutes to go in this game against their biggest rivals. With, when they're 3-0 down. Someone's got to score another goal for you, buddy. Uh, yeah, and it's going to happen. Hope I actually, Ajax. I spoke to a friend of mine. Um, you probably know him, Ellie Menjen. Uh, yeah, of course. who's done a ton of documentaries on Darby's across all the whole world. So I said, let me ask him what his thoughts are on what happened here. And I said, well, this is a crazy reaction. He goes, dude, come on, 3-0 to Feyenoord. That was his reaction. He understood where the IX fans are coming from. He's like, Especially this was, yeah, this was, this was the last straw. Mm -hmm. You've been upset with the way the team's been handled. You've been upset with the transfers. You've been upset with the development. You've been upset with the management that was brought in. You're upset with the director of football. But that's all fine as long as on the pitch you're winning. Then you get to the, your biggest rival comes to your house and smacks you up 3-0 in the first half. I don't understand the reaction, but he immediately understood where it was coming from. And I guess when you put it in that perspective, yeah. 
it starts, you start it's to understand the frustration, but that does not make it okay. N- not an excuse. Not an excuse. It's Dutch football, again, it's lived with a great intensity, with great passion, where fans live and die by the successes and failures of their clubs. But we saw a Dutch fan, a Dutch PSV fan, climb into the field and hit Dimitrovic, the Sevilla goalkeeper. From even last year um, in the Vitesse Sparta Rotterdam game, there was a fan that assaulted a goalkeeper. There has, with Groningen fans, there is an, an unhealthy, frankly twisted way that fans are dealing with their unrest, with their unhappiness. And Again, I feel like they get a nice little pass because it's Europe. Because if it happens in South America, they're, oh, so unorganized. They can't host tournaments. They can't do this. Uh-huh. There's, there's, you know, and it's happening in, in the Netherlands. And if, not, not excusing Latin America, there's problems in Latin America. And if you don't want to point fingers at yourselves as Dutch football fans that there's not problems there, frankly, from an outside perspective, it seems that locally, you're blind to the matter at is hand. There enough, is there enough problems very quickly, Jimmy, to, to shut down football for right now there? I think you punish the fans, unfortunately. And there yeah. might be, what, 5% of the fans that are acting in this way? But How? everybody, you just have to not allow them in the stadium anymore. All fans? No, I'd say for that particular club. Okay. And, and you have to start to, they have, there have to Jimmy, be consequences uh, Charlie, for their actions. Charlie said three months yesterday. Would you agree with that? Was it three months he said? He said right, three months right for IX and closed doors. Closed doors. Yeah, I agree with that. I said all season. You all can do season? that too. All mm-hmm. season? For all fans, all IX fans. All yeah, season. unless you but can ban the specific players that cause this. If it's like a specific supporters group. It is you a can specific a, supporters but group. But if you can identify that, because you, never, you don't know who else was involved. But if you can, then ban them for life. Because it's inexcusable. You yeah. cannot try to attack your own front office. You can't try to break down glass doors. And I said this to Nico yesterday. What would have happened if they got in? It's true. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Mm. They did their best. We all just thought of something there. really terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this short break. Don't move. <laughs> 